Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. The series that we are preaching, The Living God, and today the topic is The Living God Whispers, The Living God Talks. And I was, while I was preparing for this, for this message, I remembered a story that I read about a few years ago. Uh, uh, and this was about a, a Christian who was, was quite depressed in his life and he wanted some sort of encouragement and nothing's going right in his life. He wanted some sort of encouragement in his life. And he thought the easiest way to get encouragement is just read the word of the Lord. You know, just read. And the, there are, the, somebody told him that the Bible is a magical book and it's quite works in quite mysterious ways. Any, any word you read is, is quite an encouragement to you. And he thought, let me do that. And he randomly opened his Bible and said, okay, let me flip a Bible and see some sort of encouragement word. And then he flipped this Bible. The first verse it came to him was Matthew 27, 5. Then it said, then he went and hanged himself. He thought, maybe this is, this is, this, no, this, this is not right. Let, let me open it again. So he randomly opened his Bible again, and he, he found Luke 10, 37. It says, then Jesus said, go and do likewise. <laughs> he said, no, this, this, is, this, is not, this, is, this is not going right. So let me go for the third time, the, the lucky three. And finally, he got the third time. He saw he got John 13, 27. Then Jesus told him, what are you about to do? Do it quickly. I mean, that's not the way, right? If you want encouragement, you just can't open the Bible and say, so God's going to speak to me. I mean, that's, that's the crux of this message, right? Elijah got depressed. Elijah got depressed, like, like every one of us. And God spoke to him in a way that God wanted to speak to him, not the way that Elijah wanted him to speak. And I think that's the most beautiful thing about it. And let's, let's look at, try and look at Elijah's background. I mean, Elijah is, is, is a, is a big-time prophet, right? He was, he was almost, in, a, in, the, in the Jewish tradition, he's almost similar to, like, Moses. I mean, the lawgiver. I mean, he had, he, he had the guts to sort of uh, look at the people and say, you, guys, you, you are actually following the false god. You're following Baal. And he told them, come back to the ways of Yahweh. And he was, he was the one who raised dead and he called on fire from heavens. And when he prayed, rains came down. When he prayed, rains stopped. So he was a big time prophet. He did a lot of miracles. And last week, Andy, talked about, uh, Andy spoke in chapter 18 about this huge confrontation that he had with, with, with the prophets of Baal and the, the king Ahab and his, and his wife Je, uh, Jezebel. There was this huge, uh, uh, massive showdown where he started mocking the, the gods of Baal, the prophets of Baal, and eventually, you know, you know what has happened in, the, in those sequence of events, and finally, uh, it, it was basically God told him to kill those prophets, and he eventually killed them. Then he thought, you know what, I've done the greatest thing, I've been a victorious guy, but he wasn't expecting the kind of reception from the other end. He thought once, you know, I killed all those prophets, everybody will be afraid of me. But it happened the other way around. This time, the queen said, the, the king goes back to queen and says, you know, this is what Elijah did. He killed all the prophets of Baal that you were worshipping. And Elijah wasn't expecting that kind of reaction from the queen. He thought the queen will just give up and says, yeah, you know what, your, your God is mightier than my God. But the queen said, in 24 hours, I will kill this, this man. 
In 24 hours, I will kill this man. And Elijah got afraid. The word of the Lord says he got afraid. And he started walking towards Bathsheba. And he started using this word. Say, God, I quit. I want to die. What's the use? I'm no better than my ancestors. All these lamenting words coming from his mouth. You know, it's, it's like this, this quit syndrome, the Monday morning blues. Everybody has it, right? Elijah got depressed and says, I quit. I don't want to do this work anymore. I don't want to be a prophet anymore. I'm no better than any, all, all of my predecessors, my ancestors. You know, a lot many times we don't think about God being that supreme power, the adequate one who can do anything. But most of the time we're expecting God to do something with that power. And that's where our faith gets lower. We want God to work in the way that we want to work. And not the way that God wants to work. And that's, where, that's when our faith completely shatters down. Because we're expecting God to be that supreme power, the adequate one who can do all these things. But God doesn't work the way that you want to work. He works the way that he wants to work in a way that you can't even think about. And that's exactly what's happening. It's like twisting God's arm and says, you are the mighty God. Why don't you do something now when I'm going through a difficult situation? Why don't you? Why aren't you listening to me? And when, when, when God is not working according to your timing, you start, get, you get discouraged. And that's exactly what's happening to Elisha. He was like, God, he was expecting in, the, in these lines where, you know, when, 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 the, when the queen said, I will kill him in 24 hours, he was expecting the same fire will rain down upon her. But it didn't happen that way. It didn't happen that way. Uh, uh, you know, somebody gave a good definition about Christian is the one who's completely fearless, continually cheerful, and constantly in trouble. Isn't that true? Is it? It is true, right? Is the one who's completely fearless, continually cheerful, and constantly in trouble. But here, something opposite is happening here. Elijah was afraid. He was fearful. It was very, very normal of any human being, right? We'll all go through that point of depression where you say, Lord, I quit. Nothing's happening. I want to quit this ministry. I want to quit this job. But Jesus said something to his disciples day in and day out. He says, fear not, fear not. Matthew 10, 28, he says, do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear the one who can destroy both the body and soul. Matthew 10, 31, it says, fear not. Therefore, you are more valuable than the sparrows. 2 Timothy 1, 7, it says, for God gave us a spirit, spirit of not of fear, but the power of love and self-control. You know, whenever I, I personally feel that I feel like quitting and I feel like it's too much, God, for me to bear this, this weight on my shoulders. There's a beautiful verse in, in the Corinthians 10.13. It says, I mean, I really, really want to read it most of the times when you're going through some situations. It says, God, it, a Christian life is very, very difficult for me. It's not happening. It says, God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted above that which you are able I'll read again. God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted above that which you are able. Yet so many times we think we have come to the end and that it is more that we can take in. But God knows better. I remember a pastor saying, Vishal, God will not give you a weight that you cannot carry more. He will only give you, if you can only carry, say, maybe 10 kilos or 20 kilos, that's the only weight he'll give you. He will not give you beyond that. 
So whatever temptation that you're going through, God knows that you can handle that. And that's why he will not give you anything beyond that. And I think the closest example that I can think about, about a person who said, I quit, Lord, or I quit this ministry, I quit this, this job, is, is, is Peter, Simon Peter. Luke 22, 31, it's a very, very beautiful verse. It says, Luke twenty two thirty one. 31, Simon, Simon, Peter, Peter, behold, God is, Jesus is saying to, Simon, uh, to Peter, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fall. And you, once you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Jesus is saying to Peter, I will pray that your faith will not fall. He's not saying to Peter, Peter, I will not pray that you will not fall. Even if you fall, your faith should not fall. That's what Jesus is telling to him. I know that you, Satan is asking permission to me, that he wants to sift you. Similar thing happened to Job as well. God came to Satan, Satan came to God and said, God, sorry, says, God told Satan that I'm going to test him. Satan has asked me permission. He's saying to him, God is saying to us, that even if you fall down, do not lose your faith. A lot many times we think, why God, why am I falling down? God is not there to lift you up. God is telling to you, even if you fall down, do not lose your faith. Do not lose your faith. I think that's a very, very wonderful thing. A lot many times when we go through some difficult situations, when we're falling in sin, we're asking the same question. A lot of people ask, why am I falling down? God is not interested whether you're falling down or not. God is interested even if you fall down, you're getting up. You're not losing your faith in him. We know the story, what happened, right? Peter denied Jesus three times and he went and he wept bitterly. And there's, a, there's an interesting thing that happened. Jesus rose and he appeared to his followers. John 21.3, there's something strange happened there. It is written in John 21.3. We read Peter telling his fellow apostles that I am going fishing. He didn't mean that he's going fishing for that day, but he's saying that I have left apostleship. Because I have denied Christ three times, I am no longer ready, I am no longer have that stature to be an apostle because I rejected him thrice, so I am going back to my old business of fishing. Even the other followers felt the same thing because they denied Christ in the times of crisis. They thought, well, we are no longer, you know, we don't have the stature of being an apostle or, the, or, or pastors or disciples, let's go back fishing again. They started going back to fishing. Peter has given his fishing business, right, for, for many years. When Jesus called him, he started walking towards him. But there's, he, he didn't lose that skill of catching those fish. But after three and a half years of going with Jesus, he, 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 he listened to the most beautiful sermons. He's seen the wonderful miracles. And he denied Christ three times. And he said, no, I, I, you know what? I've seen the best of best. But at the time of crisis, I left Christ. And he thought, you know what? When I, when I denied Christ three times, I have no right to be an apostle. Let me go back to fishing. And he went back to fishing. And there's some, this, this wonderful thing happened there. These people went there and to catch fish. All night they toiled, all night they toiled, but they didn't catch any fish. Maybe they thought, you know what, have, I, have we lost the skill of catching fish? Have we lost that skill? 
And by, by 11th, every hour passing by, they were, they were losing their confidence in themselves. It's, no, this is not happening. This is not, re this is not really happening. But the 11th hour, the word of the Lord says, Jesus said, why don't you put your nets in that angle, in that direction? And maybe Peter would have thought, you know what, I'm fishing, I'm fishing since, I, since I was a young boy. You don't tell me where to fish. <laughs> you don't tell me where to put my nets. I know. But Jesus said, why don't you just give it a try? Just give it a try. And he found fish. He found so much fish that, you know, it, it might be in the Guinness records there. 153, that's what they call it. That's when, when he wanted to give up, God showed a miracle. I think it happens with a lot of people, a lot of us. Like, the point when we want to just completely give up, God will show us a miracle. Not at the point that you want God to show a miracle. Peter lost completely his hope. No, I, I, I cannot be a pastor. I cannot be an apostle. But God says, no, no, it's fine. I forgive you. I forgive you. And then in the later verses, Jesus says, feed my sheep. And then Peter thought, okay, God still assumes that I'm, a, I'm an apostle. I think that I'm not a pastor. I think that I'm an apostle. I don't think I'm a Christian, but God still thinks that I am a Christian. God still thinks that I am still worthy to worship him. I am still worthy to be a part of his kingdom. It doesn't matter what you think, but it matters what God thinks about it. It's exactly happened to Elijah as well. Elijah as well. He's like, God, I have, I, look at the words that he used. I'm no longer, you know, those lamenting words. When somebody dies, I'm, I'm useless. I quit. I'm no longer better than my ancestors. It's, it's good that sometimes Bible does talk about these, uh, these challenges, about these great men. God, you know, God just didn't use supermen. He used normal people like you and me to, to, for his word. I think that's the first point I'm going to talk about is that Everybody goes through those situations, those Monday morning blues, but God is telling to us, it's, it's, you don't quit, you know. This, I still got hope for you. I still got hope for you. And the second point I'm going to talk about is how God revived Elijah. There were some stages how he revived Elijah. I mean, can, can you think about it? Like Elijah's... I mean, Elijah saw some miracles, some things that you and I could never watch it, like fire coming down from heaven, you know. And imagine this, this, this man was fearful. Just before that episode, he killed so many people. And here he was, he was like, God, I cannot, I cannot take it. And he lay down and slept under a broom tree, and behold, an angel touched him. And he said, arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was... There was a, at his head, there was cake, cake baked on hot stones, a jar of water. The first step of God's program to resuscitate this man is to feed him. Imagine, feeding is very, very important. He fed him and he put him to bed. I think it's, it's important God meets your physical needs first. I love that, how practical God is. He needed a good, I mean, most of the Elijah's uh, problem was actually because of his physical weariness. I mean, he was walking in the, in the desert, and, and, and that, way, that physical weariness added to his misery. He's like, you know what, God, I'm useless, I'll die, and all these things. A lot many, a lot, a lot, a lot many times it happens to us as well, right? I think it's, it's, an, it's a perfectly religious activity to be eating. It's okay, there's nothing wrong, and getting a good night's sleep. And God put a prophet to bed something really important. It's really good. I mean, I, I, I did come across people where something's not really going good in their lives, something, they're, they're depressed in their lives, 
nothing's going through, they're going through a tough time. I've seen people going through having fasting prayer meetings, all-night prayer meetings. These things happen a lot in India, by the way. All-night prayer meetings and all these things. And that adds more to your misery. <laughs> that adds more to your misery. Ying says no, sometimes. I mean, you, you want to sleep and, and people are going, to, I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, it's, 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 it's the, the, it just intensifies the whole thing. It just intensifies the whole thing. People just stop, stop eating and they, they, just, they, they keep going to prayer meetings. It does help. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that it just completely intensifies the whole situation. And people get much more depressed. It's like because the, the physical weariness is, is bogging you down. I mean, Jesus, I mean, after having those wonderful sermons, these, the, the, the disciples said, okay, boys, now the, the, the church is finished. Why don't you go home? Go and get some food. Jesus said, okay, fine, fair enough. Now you got the spiritual food. Let me give you physical food as well. The 5,000 were fed, isn't it? He was not just interested in your, in your spiritual well-being. He's also interested in your physical well-being. He said, these people can't go. It's too late. Why do whatever you have, let me, let, let me multiply it. And I appreciate when church provides food on Sundays. It's good. It is good, right? After you have some spiritual food, let's, let's have physical food. There's nothing wrong in doing that. It's important to, and, and uh, I think it's, it's, sometimes it's very practical when somebody's going through a tough situation rather than just talking, him, talking and bogging him down with a, with a word and start praying for him. Just take him home, give him a cup of tea or feed him, and then just, just emotionally, I think that's, that's the first part. I think that's what God did. It was very practical of him to, to sort of lift Elijah practically by, by meeting his physical needs. And the second thing God did was he lifted, he revived Elijah emotionally as well. And I think it, it, it's, it's not a coincidence God asked him to, he went to Mount Horeb or Mount Sinai. There was a significance why did Elijah went there. It's because Mount Sinai is, 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 is the mountain of the God. That's where Moses got his loss. I mean, it, it, it's, it's a reminder for the entire Israel of God's promise towards them. Moses stood in front of that uh, of, of, that, of that mountain, Mount Sinai, when he, when he hit that rock, living waters came out. And, he, and Elijah is all aware of these things, and there was an emotional connect to that. He was, he was reviving Elijah emotionally as well. That's the second part of it. Why don't you just keep walking? And it's not a coincidence that he went to Mount Sinai. It was, there, was a, there, there was something sacred about God's thinking there. And finally, what God did was the most important thing is he actually lifted him very spiritually. The first thing he meant is physical revival. The second thing was emotional revival. And the final thing was spiritual revival, which is very, very important. And he said, go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and broke into pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not there in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not there in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not there in the fire. After the fire, there was a still small voice. Three things happened. There was a big wind. There was an earthquake. There was lightning. There was flashing. But God was not there in all of these things. It's so significant when you think about it. To be honest, Elijah expected these things on Ahab and Jezebel. He expected when, uh, when Jezebel said, I will kill this man. He expected a wind blowing the whole land. He expected an earthquake to just devour them. He expected uh, a lightning kill those people. But God, God didn't act the way that Elijah wanted them to act. He expected those things in that land, but he didn't. But there was a still 
powerful voice. Of all, it is a very, very powerful voice, which is a small whisper. I mean, God, it's not really, I mean, God doesn't really move in dramatic ways. A lot of people think that. Sometimes that still voice, a whisper, is more than enough for us to revive. I mean, I've come across churches, honestly, who think unless until there's noise and bang and crashing, there's no God's presence. I've seen, I've seen, I've come across people. People are, ah, it's a funeral. That's what people said. It's not a church, it's a funeral. Everybody's quiet. Unless until there's, there's, a, there's a crashing, there's, there's, there's people just going about. It's true. It, 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 is, it is well true as well that during the day of the Pentecost, there was a violent wind, there was tongues of fire, God was there. God was also there in the small, still voice when Elijah spoke. Just to assume that God only lives in those noisy environments, it's, it's completely wrong. God still lives in that still, uh, in, in your quiet time as well, when you're praying it. And when you're praying in your quiet time at home, God can still speak to you. God can still speak to us when we are, when you're worshipping with instruments. He does. So there's, there's, there's no way, one way of God meeting you. It's those, those, those small things, insignificant things at times we feel that God is still there. When Napoleon's armies were marching across Europe on their way, great way to Russia, the whole land trembled. Everybody thought that Napoleon's armies are invincible, they're unstoppable. But God stopped them. You know how? It's the smallest, softest substance on the earth, the snowflakes. Of course, multiplied millions and billions of times. And Napoleon, writing in his memoirs, he said, there was a hand moving in Europe that I could not see. And I think it, this, is, this, is a, this is a very, very good lesson, uh, lesson for all of us, that when, when we think that nothing is happening, great things are happening in God's eyes. We feel nothing's really happening, but great, great things are happening in God's eyes. I mean, think of Paul in that prison in Rome, as he was writing his, to his friends long, painful letters, sometimes his, his, with his own hand, his eyesight was falling, so he had to literally crawl down his face right down to close to scroll those letters. And he was trying to be, he was, uh, he was longing to be free, to preach the people. He wanted to travel abroad, to reach to the regions beyond. But little did he think those letters that he was, that he was writing is, is, a, is a source of, of, of the new, new Testament. All these letters were encouraging for all of us. He thought nothing was happening, but there was a great thing happening. But he did not see it. God doesn't work the way that you and I want him to work. No, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't work like that. It never works like that. When you feel nothing's really happening, some great thing is happening in God's eyes. Just, just wait for his timing. And the final thing that I'm going to talk about, you are not really alone in the battle. A lot many times we feel that I'm alone in this battle of, of, of spiritual warfare. And the Lord said to him, go return on your way to wilderness to Damascus and when you arrive you'll, you shall anoint Haziel to be the king of Syria, Jehu the son of Nimishi, you shall anoint him, the king of Israel, then Elisha to be your prophet. So what God is saying to him is go back the way that you came. Go back to your calling. Go back to your mission. I know life is difficult. I know life is dangerous, Elijah, but there's no excuse for you to run. Go back the way that you came. This is a call story, right? A lot of people respond to God's call and says, God, you know what? I will come. We'll get depressed. We'll get depressed. And says, Lord, no, this is, this, is, this is not really happening. God calls you again. Sometimes God calls you again and again and again. 
God says to him, go back the way you came. And when you get there, there's someone called who's, who'll, who'll be an apprentice called Elisha, who will go with you. He will take care of you. And a lot of my times, you know, feel that, you know, oh, I'm the one, only one worshipping here. I'm the only one preaching here. I'm the only one in the sound system there. I'm the only one in the morning to set up those churches. I mean, I feel that. But I see every, every Sunday somebody taking care of the Sunday school, somebody taking care of the kids, somebody is cleaning the toilets to, 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 for our convenience. I see people, that, people tirelessly working in the background scenes to make sure the church is working smoothly. I mean, sometimes we don't realize, sometimes we just feel, oh, it's just me who's doing it. But there are a lot many people, honest, devoted people, who are working tirelessly. Just to think you're the only one doing it is sometimes foolish, and I've, I've experienced a lot of many times. There are a lot many people doing that. I mean, I, 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 I remember, uh, I think on a, on a very sunny day, I was, I was running uh, in, in the Platfields Park, and I would see, see an old man who was limping, and he started uh, distributing these tracks to, to the people there. And I, and I thought, well, and then I was just thinking, oh, it was, a, it was a very tough day at church. And this old man, I just spoke to him, he said he went to church, and he thought, he thought it's a very sunny day, lots of people come out, and this is the right time to just give a try. I mean, just to think that, you know, just you are, you are the only one alone, Elijah, wasn't alone, I'm not the alone. I mean, sometimes it's, it's so arrogant to think that, you know, you're the only one who's actually doing it. I mean, there, there are, God is saying there are 7,000 people more who have not bowed down to Baal. You're not the only one. Don't just think that you're the only one who's going through all these sufferings and misery and don't think that. Sometimes you, you, you just have to think about the resources that you have when your spirit is dejected. You think about the resources that we all have. You know, there's the, the, the story about this, this Native American who, 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 who became wealthy because he found uh, oil in, in, in his property and then he, and, he, and he made a lot of money and put all this money in the bank. So every now and then, uh, he, this old man would go to the bank and uh, he, would, he would go to the president of the bank and he says, and he, he would say to him, he says, rain all gone, streams drying up, grass all gone, sheep all die. That's what he said, the old man. He says, rain is all gone. The streams are drying up, there's no grass, and the sheep is all dying. And the banker knew exactly what to do. He would go to the vault, he would get a great stacks of dollars, money, and put it in front of him, and ask the old man to just look at, the, look at the money. And the old man would just count those money, and then, and after some time, the old man would get up and says, rain is coming now, plenty of grass, plenty of water, sheep is all fine. I mean, he, 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 had, his, uh, he had his dependence on money, but when you think about it, but he knew that when his spirit was dejected, he knew where to go. To his money. He wants to look at his money and spirits got revived again. I said, okay, yeah. Thanks. Everything is fine. I had an uncle like that back home in India. I mean, he had at least, uh, at least ten, uh, 10 rings on his finger. At least. At least 10 rings on his finger. And on any given day, he used to have at least about 5 lakh rupees in, in, in his pocket, which is equal to about 5,000 or 6,000 pounds. That's a lot of money in Indian currency, at least 5 lakhs. And, my, I, and I remember my dad asking, Man, why do you carry so much of money? He said, if I don't look at my money, my blood pressure starts falling down. <laughs> my blood pressure starts falling down. In the middle of the night, if I don't see gold on my hands, I, fe I, I don't feel like sleeping. I mean, he knew the cure of his dejected spirit. Like, if, if his health is falling down, you just look at his money. You look at his, it is gold. I mean, Indians are obsessed with gold. It's another thing. But 
it's, it's, it's how it is. I mean, th that's the cure, right? When you know that's what I'm, what I'm trying to sell is, is that when your spirit is dejected, look at the resources as a Christian you have it. That's very important. Look at your resources, what you have. I mean, uh, it, it is, it, sometimes I feel every day in the news, day in and day out, they talk about inflation, 40%, I mean, highest in 40 years. I was like, sometimes I just feel, what are you guys talking about? I came from India, right? We go across this every day in and day out. What are you talking about? People are depressed because they're not going on a holiday. Come on, that's, that's I mean, I've, I've come across people doing that. We are not going on a holiday. I have not been to a holiday for, with my family, with my, with my family in India. Never. Never. That was not even a part of the curriculum that we have to go to a holiday. <laughs> Forget about it. I mean, here people are depressed about not going on a holiday, planes being cancelled. I know, I, I'm not trying to brush your problems with the carpet, but all I'm trying to say is that at least on, on a Sunday morning that you don't have the fear that somebody will come and vandalize your property because you're worshipping the Lord. That's actually a problem, by the way. I mean, people talk about, oh, I'm going through a depression because of that. I mean, th th there's a beautiful verse in the Bible, right? For whom more is given, more is accountable. Right? I mean, we live in a free land where you can, you can still talk about Jesus, where you can pray, nobody's going to come and kill you, nobody's going to vandalize you. I mean, I, I honestly feel that someday, you know, God's going to answer all, God's going to question all of us. You, you had so much of liberty, so much of freedom, what did you do with that? I think it's, it's good to just, when, when you're going through those tough times, just look at the resources that you have at. I mean, you're living in the fifth richest country in the world. Come on, guys. We can't be, you know, depressed for small things in life. I mean, I know it, it, is, it is very, very common for all of us to be depressed. Elijah got depressed, and, and it's very common, and God had a way to heal him. The second thing is God had a process of revival which is physical, emotional, spiritual. And the final thing God is saying, you're not alone in the battle. There are lots of people. Think about those people. And, you know, it's, it's very, very important to listen to those God's whispers. I think it's very, very important. I mean, uh, it was John, I think, in Revelation, I think, in the island of Patmos, he says, I heard, it says, I think in those lines, he says, I go, heard God's whisper like a symbol. Like, he was so tuned to God's word that he heard like a, like a symbol. Imagine, that's how we need to tune our lives so that we can hear those whispers like huge, huge noise. And we need to start praying for more people, right? There's a harvest is more, there are a few people to, to take that harvest. We need to pray for more people to come so that, you know, we, we are not alone in this battle. So I think I'll, I'll leave with that and maybe I'll call Hannah to please come forward. And as we, as we, as we worship, as we just sing, I'll just, I just want to ask everyone to just think about Elijah's, Elijah's life. I mean, it is very, very common for us to be, to be depressed. I think it's a very, very common uh, human experience that when we go through tough times, we, we might use the same words, Lord, I quit. It's better for me to die. But God has a plan. God has a revival. God doesn't work the way that you and I want us to, but he works the way that he wants to. And there's a process of revival that God wants us to. I think it's very, very important. And uh, pray about it. I mean, that's, that's very, very, if you're going through some really tough situations in life and you feel a similar lines like Elijah, so God, it's, nothing's really happening. I quit. I give up. The Christian life is not really easy. God, God's got a process. It doesn't matter what the world thinks about you. I mean, Peter thought he's useless. But God says, no, you're not useless. I'm going to build my church on you. And that's what he did. And we're not really alone in this battle of, 
being a Christian and being serving the Lord, there are a lot many people, I think, sometimes to just acknowledge it. And then, you know, may God continue to strengthen us uh, with your word.